Well, greetings, Faith Covenant Church, and for everyone else tuning into this uh, video. My goal for this session is really quite simple. In a world streaming 24-7 bad news, I thought it'd be really great if we, for the next many weeks, equip ourselves with some good news. Uh, of course, the Bible uses a word for good news. That's the word gospel. The word gospel means good news, good message. Uh, if you think about it, what is the nature of news? We've been reading and watching so much news these days. News is, is not a new thing, of course. Humanity has always shared news. Sometimes we, sh we share good news and sometimes we share bad news. If you think about the coronavirus, the bad news of coronavirus is something has happened such that everything's now different in a bad way. Not completely, but I think you get my point. The good news of the gospel of Jesus Christ is something has happened such that everything is now different in a good way. We spent the last month plus here at Faith uh, seeking to get to the essentials of what is the good news of the gospel. And if this is news uh, new news to you, I would encourage you to uh, go on our website and listen to those messages. Because uh, just like I could say, uh, that's a tree, if you want to know what a tree is, I can say, that's the gospel, and I can point you to Jesus. But if you look at a tree, well, a tree has all kinds of different facets. And if you look at the gospel of Jesus, it has all kinds of different facets. And we've been exploring those. Today, though, and as we head toward Easter, what I'd like to do is I, I want to talk about practical ways that we can talk to others about this good news of Jesus in a world that's, quite honestly, drinking from a waterfall of bad news. The text we're going to look at is from a book in the Bible called Ephesians, and, which is really a letter uh, written to a group of uh, Christ followers in a place called Ephesus. So if, even if you want to pause the video, you can go grab a Bible or look on your phone or look on your computer. You can follow along with me, and that way you can kind of go back and forth to what I'm talking about. Uh, so starting with the first verse of Ephesians 2, I'll read it for you. As for you... You were dead in your transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and of the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The spirit who is now at work in those who are disobedient. All of us also lived among them at one time, gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were by nature deserving of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich in mercy, made us alive with Christ even when we were dead in our transgressions and sins. For it is uh, by grace you have been saved. And God raised us up with Christ and seated, with him, seated us with him in the heavenly realms in Christ Jesus in order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace expressed in his kindness to us in Christ Jesus. For it is by grace you have been saved. And this is not from yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not by works, so that no one can boast. Let's stop there. Okay, so what do we see in that text? There's a lot there. We could talk for weeks and weeks and weeks about what's there. Let's just look at a few things. And we're going to start with some bad news. 
the very nature of you know good versus bad is that good news is only good because there was some some bad news that it needed to kind of correct. We'll start here. Bad news. Faith in the wrong way and leader leads to death. I remember a young person once saying to me, you know, uh, it, it doesn't really matter what you believe as long as you believe it in your heart. That's not a real thing. <laughs> Can we be honest about that? that that's not true. Uh, I mean, think about it. Um, Nazi youth in Germany firmly believed in their hearts they could trust, put their faith in Adolf Hitler. They put their faith in him to save them, to rescue them in their country. But he led all of Germany off a cliff, and it led to death. Or maybe you've said, you know, boy, ah, I just, I just know, honey, I know this is the right way. I, could just, I sense it in my gut, only to find that later your gut was completely wrong. Our text this morning, or whenever this time is for you, uh, it, it says essentially that we are all guilty of heading down the wrong path. We're all guilty of following the wrong leader. It says, as for you, you were dead in your transgressions and sins in which you used to live when you followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air. The ruler of the kingdom of the air, that's, a, that's a kind of a fancy way of talking about Satan or the Satan, the enemy of God. Hebrews 14.12 puts it a different way. Maybe you've heard this. There is a way that seems right to a man, but its end is the way to death. Now, don't you hate that feeling? You know, wait, oh, I was, I was so sure that this was the right way. Only to find out, doggone it, you are absolutely right. I've been lost and I didn't even know I was lost, going the wrong way. And we're all guilty of this, right? The text is clear. All of us also lived gratifying the cravings of our flesh and following its desires and thoughts. Like the rest, we were, we were by nature deserving of wrath. Now, that word all means all. <laughs> you see, the bad news of the good news is all of us, the Bible says, like sheep, we've all gone astray. All of us are guilty of gratifying the cravings of our bodies and our minds above the ways of God because at the time we think it's the right way. All of us are, the Bible says, deserving of wrath, deserving of the death that is the logical consequence of rejecting the ways of God. And if you think of God as life and uh, rejecting his ways as death. And when we reject him, there's a consequence. That consequence is his wrath. But the good news of the bad news is that instead of God leaving us deserving of wrath, he intervenes with this thing called grace. Now, what's grace? Well, for our purposes right here, we, could, we would just say grace means unmerited favor. We could talk about grace in all kinds of big ways, but for now, let's just camp right there. Grace is God saving you and your enemy. Grace is God creating a way so that all of us might be saved, even though we've all gone the wrong way and we've all followed the enemy of God. Now, what is the good news of grace? Well, good news uh, God's grace is immeasurably rich. Verses 4 and 7 of our passage. Verse 4 says, But because of his great love for us, God, who is rich 
and mercy. Verse 7 says, In order that in the coming ages he might show the incomparable riches of his grace. Now, what's our biggest problem when it comes to God's grace? I think we are fully convinced that uh, God's grace is immeasurably poor. You know, uh, we're convinced God has, has, he kind of has a budget of grace. You know, he's kind of living month to month with grace, you know, with just barely enough to dole out to all the good people. And we know deep down, boy, we're dead in our transgressions and sins. We're not the good people. So God's not going to, he's not going to have enough grace for us. He's not rich in grace. And thus we, we, we reject a poverty stricken God with a poverty of grace. But the good news here is because of God's great love for you, God, who is rich in mercy, is incomparably rich in his grace toward you. Grace budgeted and doled out for the unworthy, for the worthy. That's not really grace. Grace is amazing because it is richly bestowed upon people who've been following the wrong way and following the wrong leader or leaders. How can we be sure of this grace? Well, again, good news. Grace has a name. God's grace looks like kindness to us in a particular person, in Christ Jesus. So, do this with me. Imagine this scene. You've been found out. Yep. It's all over social media now. Everyone knows what you've always hoped you'd be able to keep hidden. It's too late. There's no way of keeping the lid on this any longer. Society's judges have they've seized you. They've dragged you out into the court of public opinion. You plead your case. You try to point out all the good stuff, but the good stuff has no law against it, does it? You're not on trial for your good deeds. You're actually on trial for your misdeeds, right? And as the judges and juries of public opinion pick up their proverbial stones to cast judgment upon you, Who whispers in your ear? Though all desert you, I will never desert you, says the kindness of Christ Jesus, God in the flesh. Who is your advocate when you actually know you're guilty? The Bible says it is Christ, the King. And he's the Lord of all. He is the one who actually has the authority to condemn, but he has taken your side. He's literally taken your place. And he has done so in kindness. God has seen fit to show the immeasurable riches of his grace in a person. And not just any person, God in the flesh, the kindness of Christ Jesus. Those people who believe God is only this great big mean cop in the sky waiting to hit us with this big bad judgment bat, uh, they have not yet heard the good news of God's gospel. God's grace has been expressed in kindness, and that kindness is not kind of obscure kindness. The kindness has a name. It's a person. It's God come to us in the flesh. His name is Jesus. Now, what did we ever do to deserve such kindness. Nothing. I mean, really, not a thing. Good news, God's grace is a gift that saves us. Two times we're told in this passage, for it is by grace you have been saved. Verse 8 and 9. Now, this is a really, uh, really 
uh, important verse in Christianity. You'll hear it a lot if, it, if, it's, if you haven't heard it, heard it before. It goes like this. For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, and this is not from yourselves. It is the gift of God, not by works, so that no one can boast. Now, what's the nature of a gift? Well, compare a gift to a reward. If I say to you, if you do X, Y, or Z, uh, I'm going to give you this. Well, that's not really a gift, is it? That, that's just a reward. That's me rewarding you because you are doing something. Uh, a, a gift, though, a gift is very different. The very nature of a gift is not what you do, but what I've done. Because I love you, I've gone out and I purchased a gift for you. You didn't buy it. I bought it. And and I'm going to give it to you, not because you're perfect. I'm going to give it to you to demonstrate kindness. I'm giving this gift to you out of grace, not out of something you merited. Now, one simple way I found to illustrate this is, is simply two words. And this is worth the price of admission today, okay? This is something any of us can share with anyone, just this next week even. Most people believe they need to try to earn their way into God's good graces. And so when they spell religion, they spell D-O, right? Most people believe if they do enough good things, they go to church, they don't cheat on their taxes, they don't kill puppies, they recycle, then God will, of course, reward them with an eternity in his never-ending kingdom. But there's a problem with this do strategy we have. According to the Bible, all of us have sinned and followed the wrong way. We've all followed the wrong leader. And thus, we could never do enough to merit God's favor. We've all broken favor with God because we've gone our own way. The good, the good news of Christianity isn't spelled D-O. It's spelled D-O-N-E. God knew we could never do enough, so Jesus has done it for us. The perfect life, the, 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 the sin-atoning death, the, the death where Jesus took your sin and my sin upon himself, it's already all been done. It was all accomplished on the Christ. There's this wonderful moment. Um, Jesus is on the cross, and one of his final words are these words. It is finished. In fact, that, that Greek word uh, in, in, the, in the it is finished, the way we translate it, it literally means paid in full. It's over. It's all been paid for. It's all been done. Our penalty for following the wrong way and the wrong leader, it's all been paid. The due strategy to get a reward, it's doomed to failure. The done strategy of Christ, it's a perfect gift, and it's an eternal gift. It's available to all of us. I love this illustration. It's very, very simple. Uh, Maybe there's someone in your life this week that you're feeling compelled. You know, I want to share that with them. Or maybe this is the first time you've ever heard it, and you think, I, I need to write that down. Well, do write it down. Because it's, it's really worth remembering. You know, there are certain truths that actually change the whole trajectory of a life. And if you're struggling with this, and you think, ah, boy, I feel like I want to do something. Can I just give you three more words from our text? The, the words are, not by works. Yeah, verse 8 and 9 again. For it is by grace you have been saved, not by works. 
See, do versus done, it confirms the bad news. <laughs> works don't work. Yeah, if works work, when I say works, what I mean, I mean all the do, all the trying to do, working to do all the right things so God will reward you. If works worked, we wouldn't need someone to save us. We wouldn't need a savior. See, God knew our sinful nature would compel us to kind of end up living in a, a, a righteousness class system, you know, where all of us would be boasting about, you know, how great we are and how God should reward us. But God levels the field in truth. He says, hey, guess what? You're all guilty. We've all followed the wrong way. We've all followed the wrong leader. We could never do enough. That's why Christ has done it for us. So grace is this, this great gift. It's this great reward. It's, it's not a reward. Uh, and the bad news is works don't work. But the good news of the gospel is faith does work. Yeah, good news, faith works. Now, how does faith work? Let, let me illustrate for you. Imagine uh, today... Jesus shows up at your front door, and uh, he has in his hand this box. In his nail-scarred hands, he has this gift. You open the door, and Jesus says, I, I have a gift for you. And you, your initial response is, no, 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 oh, wait, well, you're, you're Jesus, Lord, no, no, I, I can't take it. I should be giving you a gift. And he says, no, 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 listen, I want you to look at uh, these these hands, these nail-scarred hands. I want you to know that I paid a huge price so that I could give you this gift. So that we would never have to be apart ever again. Receive the gift. I'll bet Jesus would call it grace. And of course, here we have a choice, right? You know, you can close the door and you can reject the gift. And I would say, well, that's not faith. Again, Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 it says, For it is by grace you have been saved through faith, not from yourselves. It is a gift of God, not by works so that no one can boast. So how do we, how do we participate uh, in the through faith part? Because if we close the door, that's not faith. So would opening the door be faith? Faith is, often people think of faith as, faith is a religious experience or faith is my spirituality. No, 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 no. It's very simple. Faith is believing in and depending upon being loyal to. Faith is inviting Jesus into the house, receiving his gift, opening it up and allowing the gift of his kingship and his victory over Satan, sin and death Letting that king, who loves you more than you could ever love yourself, despite all the stuff, despite all the going the wrong way, it's taking that gift of grace and saying, I'm going to receive this, I'm going to trust that it's all been done for me, and I'm going to follow you. I ask a question at the end of my messages, uh, and it goes like this. What is God calling you to do change, or pray about? Is there something that the Spirit of God is, is laying on your heart right now? Have you been shutting the door? 
on this gift. Or maybe, maybe you receive the gift, you know, and this happens sometimes. We receive a gift, but we, we put it in the closet. We don't really open it. We don't really do anything with it. Or maybe you receive the gift through faith, and you're thinking, you know, there's someone this week I want to share this good news with. This would be a great week to share some good news. I pray that you will act on this nudge from the Holy Spirit. See, God's truth sets us free. And so when there's something that we realize, oh my goodness, this has to be true. When we then take that truth and we act on it, what we find is not, not boundaries and, and horribleness. We, found, we find, well, good, healthy boundaries, but boundaries that bring us freedom. Let's pray. As we pray right now, what I'd like to do is I'd like to give anyone who's listening this, who, who, who've never opened that door and taken that first step of putting their faith, believing in and depending upon Jesus, if you'd like to do that for the first time today, uh, I encourage you to do that. I, I did this as a young person. I simply said this prayer. Lord Jesus, I admit I am a sinner and I need you to save me from my sins. I believe you lived died, rose again, ascended to the right hand of God the Father so that I might have eternal, abundant life. I ask you to fill me with your Holy Spirit and empower me to trust in you and follow you now, through death, and into eternity. Amen. I pray that... uh, you had a new beginning uh, just now as you were praying that prayer. We're just about done here. Uh, we're going to close, and what I'd like to do as we close is we're going to uh, take an offering. Now, if you're watching this and you don't normally watch stuff like this, you're thinking, of course, of course, they're right, going to ask for money. But I, I just want to assure some, everyone of something. For 2,000 years, you know what uh, Christ followers have done? They've always pooled their resources for the ministry of the good news. And because of our coronavirus world right now, uh, we are not gathering physically, you know that. Uh, but thankfully, there are ways you can still give. And so I'd like to encourage uh, that giving. Uh, in fact, I'm going to look on the screen right here. Um, if you would like to text in an offering, you can do so. Uh, you can text give FCC, and you just enter that number as uh, the, the, where the text is supposed to go. And um, uh, you'll see that in just a little bit. You can also mail in a check. You can go online to our website. Uh, we're going to have a Dropbox outside. I pray, I think about this. Uh, I think about in my household, um, we have to pay our bills, we have to feed the family, and we have to care for our neighbors. And so our budget here at Faith Covenant Church, it, we pay our bills, uh, we take care of our staff, and we also uh, pool our resources to take care of our neighbors. So I invite you to participate in that. I, I hope you'll remember to do that. Um, finally, I'd like to give a benediction. And this is a benediction for a wonderful time like we are in right now. It comes from the Apostle Paul. And uh, he, he says this, he writes, I pray that you, being rooted and established in love, may have power, together with all the Lord's holy people, to grasp how wide, long, and high, and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love 
that surpasses knowledge, that you may be filled to the measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine according to his power that is at work within us, to him be glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. Stay tuned. Uh, we are going to do Q&A if you want to continue to watch. Uh, if you're new to uh, Faith Covenant Church, we do Q&A often after my messages. Uh, this time we're going to do it uh, in just a little bit. If you're tired of looking at me, though, you can click off or you can hang out and watch the Q&A. If you want to stay connected at Faith, uh, just uh, we have an online resource called Realm, uh, which is a social network within our church. You can connect that way. There's an e-newsletter e that goes out uh, every week. You can find us on Facebook and on Instagram, and you can, again, uh, give your offering through text messaging. Thank you so much for hanging out with us. Peace. So uh, we're going to do Q&A right now. Uh, typically at Faith Covenant, we have people text in a question and I get it during my message. And then uh, Ryan or one of the other staff members will look at my phone and they'll scroll through the questions. And uh, we uh, then pretty much try to answer them uh, off the cuff in a way that is hopefully helpful. Uh, since we weren't able to do that, I had people uh, email in or on Realm, they sent in some questions. So uh, I wrote these questions down. I'll be honest with you, I tried not to uh, spend a whole lot of time with them because I don't typically have a whole lot of time with the questions that come in. And so we'll see uh, what, what happens here. Um, I always say we reserve the right to be wrong. So you can test whatever we say against the scriptures. And uh, if the scriptures prove us wrong, then believe the scriptures, don't believe us. So, Ryan, what do we have here? All right. Uh, this first question says, uh, what does sharing the good news of God's grace look like in a world where we cannot connect with others in person? You know, um, so my first thought is, uh, I, I noted this last week in my message. You know, where is God in a coronavirus world? God is in his people. So God is present everywhere, but we also know that the, the church worldwide is the body of Christ. And so uh, one way that you and I, even creating good, healthy social distancing, uh, can bestow the grace of God to others is by recognizing, oh, we're the body of Christ. And um, so I can actually be an example, a model for what God's grace is like. So case in point, um, maybe this is a week where you reach out to, in grace, in unmerited favor, you reach out to someone who maybe uh, you feel distant from, uh, maybe someone uh, you feel that, that you, they, may, they maybe are uh, afraid that you don't like them. You know, somehow you reach out to them and you say, hey, thinking about you and praying for you, is there any specific way you want me to pray for you? That message coming from someone who um, maybe th is thinking, you know, I don't think, I don't think Pastor Brad likes me or I don't think Ryan likes me. <laughs> them receiving that, you know, no, actually, I do like you. Actually, I love you. And I care about you, and I'm going to pray for you. That's a very practical way uh, in this good social distancing. You can demonstrate God's grace. I'm sure you can think of others, but um, we get to model God's grace in the way we live our lives. Yep. Great. Uh, this next one asks, 
What would you say to those of us who are struggling with experiencing God's grace, God's grace amidst fear and the unknown? Okay. Uh, the thing that strikes me about that particular question, I did look at this a couple times. Um, what struck me is, uh, what would you say to those of us who are struggling with experiencing God's grace amidst um, stuff, amidst fear, okay? Um, so the idea, let's say Ryan, uh, I don't think Ryan likes me. Um, now, I know Ryan likes me. <laughs> I like Ryan. He's a good guy. He thinks I'm okay too. Uh, but let's say I firmly believe Ryan doesn't like me. But Ryan really does like me. Uh, Ryan um, knows I'm not perfect. He, he loves me. He has grace toward me. Well, I'm letting my fear get in the way of the truth that Ryan has grace toward me. Um, now, I think one way I can experience Ryan's grace when I'm afraid in a relationship or I'm afraid of because of circumstances, one of the ways I can experience that is, is I can go back and I can look at, boy, what, what have all the experiences with Ryan looked like? Well, they look like he actually does like me. It looks like, he's care, like he cares about me. If we go back to, if we look back at God's faithfulness, that's what I'm trying to get to. What we'll remember is, you know, God's faithfulness in our lives didn't ebb and flow according to the circumstances out here or, you know, kind of the circumstances in here. Uh, God's grace is always sure whether we are experiencing it in our emotions or not. And so one way to experience that is to remember the truth of his past faithfulness. And uh, we can trust that if, if someone, if, some, if Ryan's been faithful to me in the past, I can trust pretty much he's going to continue to be faithful. How much more so with God, who's always been faithful in the past, I, I can trust in the now he's going to be faithful, even though circumstances make me fearful. Um, the way we know these things is, by, is through God's word. And so this is a time to dive deeply into God's word and, and really look at what the scriptures say about God's faithfulness and his grace. How about that? Good. And if there's one thing that I could add. Yeah, yeah, please, well, please, please. If, if that's okay. Um, something that somebody told me one time that's really stuck with me is that uh, God is not in the business of shame. Mm. You know, and um, so to the person who asked this question, or maybe, you know, anybody else who is um, struggling with, with experiencing God's grace or feeling that experience of God's grace, know that um, God is, is in no way shaming you, making you feel like, oh, you're not good enough, you haven't prayed enough, you haven't mm. given enough offering, you haven't read your Bible enough, <laughs> you know. Um, God's not in the business of that, you know. Rather, uh, rather I would say that's, that's, that's um, the devil who, mm. who causes us to lower our eyes, you know, mm -hmm. but rather Jesus is the one who lifts our eyes up to see the cross. And mm. so he can show us, you know, you know, this is how much I loved you, mm. that I was willing to die for you. So, yeah, God's yeah. not in the business of shame. Yeah, and with that, the, the reminder from our text today, uh, he is immeasurably rich in grace. Mm. You know, he's, he's, take Warren Buffett times 10 billion, you know, that's how rich God is in, in grace. Uh, yeah, anyway. Good. Next one. All right, next one. Um, if it is a gift, excuse me, uh, if it is a gift of God, not by works, then how do we determine the balance between our faith and our works? Yeah, the, 
that is, that's a common question when it comes to issues of grace. Uh, you know, even the, the Apostle Paul in the book of Romans, he addresses this issue. Well, if God has all this grace for me, I should go sin all, uh, all I want. Well, no. Why, why would you even want to do that? I mean, the ramifications, sin, sin always has negative consequences. It might have a, an immediate buzz, but the, in the long term, it always has negative consequences. So why would you want to do that? I think, you know, what helps me when I think, when I think about grace and, and works, uh, I, I like to look at our relationship, and the scriptures do this, the relationship of a marriage, okay? Now, when uh, a couple gets married in Christian church, um, for sure, um, they, they say vows to each other. And uh, those, let's call those vows, you know, the, the law. And, uh, but those vows in the relationship actually make sense. The law in, in Christianity is really um, best understood in uh, Exodus 20 where God gives the Ten Commandments, okay? So that's the law. When God gave those laws, he was giving them uh, to his people to say, you know, this is, this is what it looks like to live in a loving relationship with me. And he knew they were going to struggle with that. He knew they, they weren't going to bat a thousand with that. But he's like, you know, if we're going to be in relationship, you, you can't have any other lovers. And um, uh, you need to uh, not lie. And uh, you need to not go out and search for uh, prostitutes. And, you know, there are all these laws that are, are helping us learn how to live obedient to the loving relationship. And, and the faith in that relationship is... Um, in, in a marriage relationship, I'm going to trust that you're going to be faithful. I'm going to, I'm going to believe in you, and I'm going to be loyal to you. And because I believe you're a, a, a good, loving person, and because I believe, um, I, I trust that you're going to be faithful to me, um, I'm going to be loyal to you, and that loyalty is going to look like um, me not going after lover, other lovers. It's going to look like uh, me being faithful to the marriage vows, so to speak. And so we look at, at the works, we look at um, faith versus works, we look at that uh, as, a, as the way a loving relationship works. Okay? Yeah. Any, any thoughts with that? Uh, nope. Okay, good. All right. Move forward. Uh, this last one, it, uh, it just asks, um, what is the difference between common grace and means of grace? Okay. Uh, it, it, that's an interesting question. For f- This is probably someone who, who likes uh, theology and likes church history and likes to think through uh, stuff like this. Let me just help you out, though, because it's an interesting question. So common grace, in, as, we, as we look back in the history of the church, um, Bible smart people in the history of the church as, have thought of common grace as, as the grace God gives to all of humanity, okay? So, so God sends rain on, on Mother Teresa, and God sends, uh, she's passed away, but God sent rain on Mother Teresa, and God sent rain on serial killers, okay? Um, that, God didn't only, you know, send rain on, on the good people, <laughs> and then the, the lightning on the bad people. You know, he, he has unmerited favor for all, and so he has a common grace for all. Um, the means of grace is understood in uh, think about you know what is the means of anything if what is the means of me loosening a bolt on my uh, bike you know so the means of loosening the bolt is a wrench 
All right. Uh, what is the means of putting out a fire? The means of putting out a fire is water and a fire hose. Um, what is a means of grace? Well, God has given to the church, the body of Christ. Um, fundamentally, we would start with the sacraments. Okay. Um, the Lord's Supper, uh, baptism are two sacraments that uh, are, are, are tools where God demonstrates his grace for the people. Um, they are outward signs of an inward spiritual reality of what God is doing. They are tools that God uses to help us understand grace. Um, we could also say uh, the, the gospel, the, the both written gospel and the proclaimed gospel, like I, I did today in the message. Uh, these are all means of grace. Uh, means of grace. We, I could add one more. In certain traditions, in our tradition, in the Covenant Church, uh, we talk about prevenient grace. Uh, prevenient grace is God's, before we make a commitment to God, to, to Jesus, um, God has been kind of shepherding us. If you think of a border collie, you know, God's grace like a border collie, shepherding us uh, toward uh, putting our faith in him. That's the grace God gives us uh, to shepherd us uh, toward putting our faith in and him. And there you go. Very good. Um, Ryan, there's going to be a, a snowstorm that's coming in from the upper northwest here. No, sorry, I just been wanting to do that the whole time. Thank you for joining us, Faith Covenant Church. Uh, we will see you out th- throughout the week. Don't hesitate to shoot us a digital communication. You can call the office uh, and we would, or shoot us, you can write us a hand letter. We would love to stay in contact with you uh, as we move through uh, this particular season, which is only a season and will come to an end. God be with you.